Baruch Hashem, Mishnah Torah, Hilcha Shvuis, the laws of oaths, Pedic Shvi, the seventh chapter. The first chapter, the Rambam already taught us the four, first four types of Shvuis, and one of them was called Shvuas Hapikodain, and that is what he explained in the first chapter that Shvuas Hapikodain is anybody that swears falsely when he is holding on to somebody else's money, whether it is money that came into his hand because the owner gave it to him to guard, or whether it was a loan that he received, or whether he actually owed it to him because he stole it from him, or whether it was money that he owed him as an employer that didn't pay his employee, or even if he found the lost object and didn't return it. Any of those situations, if he swore falsely, when the guy came to him and said, give me my money, he swore that he doesn't know it. Oh, this is called a conversion, something he's, which is gotten legally and kept illegally. So he's chayim shuas epikadon. And if, if we learned in Perak Aleph that if he swore falsely, you know, for sure he's being over, he's transgressing a love, but besides the love of of, of uh, of Veloisa Chachashu, he's in Yerbelah, And the obligation of the person who has to correct this Shavuot that he took is he has to pay the principal, the amount that he stole, that he owed, plus an additional fifth. In addition to that, he has to bring a carbon asham vadai. And over there, it doesn't make a difference, we learned in Perikal of Halachates, whether he was a mazid or a shoigik. In any case, he would have to pay plus the kachaymish and bring a carbon. Now that we remember what it is, now we can go into Perik Shvi, which dwells on Shvuas Apikadon, the what's and what, you know, all the details of Shvuas Apikadon. Today's Perik and actually tomorrow's Perik as well. Halachal. Somebody that brings a complaint to another individual and he says the other one owes him money. Money that if the defendant would have admitted to the story that the plaintiff claimed he would be obligated to pay. And he denied the complaint. And he swore to that fact, to that effect. Or the complaint, the plaintiff put him under oath, put an oath onto him, and he denied. The defendant, who he is culpable for violating Shvuas Apikod. Unlike a Shvuas Bitoi, when somebody places another person under Shvuas Bitoi, the other person has to accept the Shvuas and say Amen or Kibalti or anything like that. But here he doesn't need to. Once the person placed an oath on him and he denied it after the oath has been placed on him, even though he physically didn't make the oath. But after the oath was placed on him, he denied he is culpable of Shavuos HaPikadon. 
Shebeshvuas hapikodoin, some Rambams have these words in parentheses, some don't. Shebeshvuas hapikodoin, when it comes to shvuas hapikodoin, echad anishba mi piatzmoi, doesn't matter if the individual made the shvu on his own, echad shehishbiyei achem vechofer, or whether somebody placed the shvu onto him and he denied after that. Even he didn't ever answer Amin. Chayov, he is culpable. Shekfirosay. His denying after he was placed under oath by the complaint, by the plaintiff, that is as if he answered Amin. If the complaint was about money, that if this defendant would admit to the story that the plaintiff claims and he says yes it's true as you say he would not be obligated to pay for example he the complaint was that he owed him knas knas is money that is not exactly owed because of uh, it's not straight money. It's more like a, a punishment money. Like when a Ghanav has to pay double or someone who shechted the animals to pay four or five times as much. Those are knas. It's, it's a punishment. Fine. The rule is that if somebody admits to knas, he doesn't have to pay it. Because you don't pay knas, that's a, that's a famous rule. It says, Asher Yeshiyun Kim. Not Hamashiach has to be that others cause him to bring the knas, but he himself, if he'll admit, he wouldn't bring the knas. So then, if he denied it and he swore it falsely, so he's not culpable of Shuvah Sapikodin. In other words, he doesn't have to bring the carbon, he doesn't have to pay the four or five, he doesn't have to pay the, the, the Karen and the Chaymish. However, the Chaymish from Shuvah he is culpable because he swore falsely. And that punishment he would get by swearing falsely. Another situation. So now the Raman basically in these first halach is laying out when does Shvuas HaPikodin apply and when does Shvuas HaPikodin not apply. So we learned in the first halach when it does apply, when there's money that if you admit to we'd have to pay, it applies. In the second halach we learned if it's money that you admit to we wouldn't have to pay, so it doesn't apply. In the third halach we're learning about other exemptions of this Shvuas HaPikodin, which are namely V'chein Bekarka there are three things, real estate, a slave, or a legal document that the legal document states to some effect that somebody is in ownership of something or someone owes someone something. It's some proof of some monetary, uh, it's a backing for monetary uh, claim. Now this guy denied it and he swore falsely. So in all these cases, Potter Mishvuas Hapikodin, the Shvuas Hapikodin does not apply. The Chayim Mishvuas Bitei, however, since he swore Shainish Bal Shaker, since he swore falsely, he cannot get away from Mishvuas Bitei, that he, he was transgressed. But Shvuas Hapikodin does not apply. Now, Halacha Dalit says that I'm a Malomanif to Mishvuas Hapikodin. Swearing falsely, we said in the first Pedic, all the punishments, Mishvuas Bitei, you want to know? 
Shvuas Bitoi, if somebody is even Shvuas Bitoi, yeah, if it's a shoigig, if it's amazing, he gets malchus. If it's shoigig, he brings a carbon oil of a yard. So the Amam says, Why, by real estate and a slave and a document, why by those three items it does it not fit into the category of Shuas Hapikadin? If he would admit to the story of the plaintiff, he would have to give back the, the real estate or give back the slave or give back the document. So why is he not culpable? Says the Rambam because the Pasek clearly excludes it. Where do we see that? Because it says in the Pasek, Bipikodoin, Oy Bisisumas Yod, Oy Begazel, when the Pasig is describing a Shvuas Apikodon, it says that a person will deny either a Pikodon, which is an item that was given to him to guard, which is money that was handed to him as a loan, which means money that he stole, or money that he owed to the other person, for example, as an employer, and he never paid him. Or he found the other person's money. What is the common denominator between all these things? They are all movable items. And they have another detail. If he would admit to it, the money will be extracted from his hand. This will exclude real estate because real estate Real estate is not metaltalin, it's not movable. You can't hide real estate from the owner, it's there. It doesn't, you can't take it away. You steal somebody's money, you can hide it, but you can't hide it from real estate. And it's under his it's under his chazaka that it's his until you pre- you have to prove that it's yours. It excludes slaves because in halacha, slaves are compared to property, to real estate. Like it says in the Pasuk, and just like a chuza in a state is, uh, is real estate, so to the ever is like an estate. And a deed, a star is also excluded. Because the document itself does not have legal value. It's not legal and tender. It may prove something, but it itself is not money. It itself is not a currency. And therefore it does not fall into this deed, into this POSIC. It does not, it's not something that has value, monetary value. Okay, the check. A check is like a star. Aloha, hey. Echot anishba acheshet voyabalamomain. That doesn't matter when he swears. Ramah will tell us it doesn't matter when he swears. It doesn't matter if he swears after the plaintiff comes and gives, lodges his complaint. If somebody takes an oath without a, a complaint against him, Kate said, Why would someone take an oath without a complaint? There was 
A person that turns around and he says, before the guy has a chance to lodge a complaint, he says to the person, Why are you chasing after me? You have any money in my property? That, that's yours. And I swear that you have no money in my property. So he swore without even having a complaint lodged against him. There's no need for a complaint to be lodged first. He is already culpable of Shuas HaPikadon. Why? Being that he denied and he swore, even though there was never a complaint lodged against him, that already constitutes a Shuas HaPikadon. Now does he have to take the oath directly to the person who is the plaintiff? Not necessarily, but it has to be someone which is his agent at least. Whether he swore to the plaintiff himself or to his agent that came with a proxy that came with a proof that he is his agent, a sign that he can represent him and take his place in court. Because the messenger of a person is like the person himself. A person that takes an oath is not culpable unless he understands what he is saying. If he just says the words and doesn't know what he's saying, it doesn't count. It has to be somebody that understands what he's saying. If somebody took an oath regarding a pikodin, he took this oath, he knew that he's lying, even though at the time that he took the shvua. He knew from the beginning that he's lying and he's saying a false shvua. And witnesses at the time that he took the oath, they warned him, you're not going to take a false oath. So he does not get the malchus, the punishment that a person gets for being over shvua's bitter, that he doesn't get, even though he was warned for it. Only brings a carbon asham. Besides paying back, which the Ramah will speak about later. Because the Pasuk took him out from the Klal of those people that the punishment is Malchus when they swear falsely and it put him in another category to being a carbon Asham. It does not matter whether he did it knowingly or accidentally, as we explained in Perek Aleph. What happens if somebody denied owing the money and he took an oath and he swore four or five times or the plaintiff put him under oath four or five times and he Denied after each time. Doesn't matter if it's in front of the Rabbonim, the court, or whether it's out of court. He is obligated to bring a carbon asham for every single shvua. 
Besides having to pay the extra chaymish vevishvur, which Rambam will discuss later. Because if he would have admitted to the claim after he already denied it once, even though he denied it in Bezdin, it will not take away his obligation to pay if he admits. So it comes out, pointed out to me, every time he took that oath, he saved himself from paying. Therefore, he is culpable for each shvua. Let's compound this a little more. What happens if there are five plaintiffs? Five people claiming he owes them money. They tell him, Give us the pikodain that we have in your property, in your possession. See, if he says, If he incorporates all of them in one clause and he says, I swear that none of you have any money by me. So he made it, he packaged it all together in one sentence. Since he took one shvua, he is only culpable for one shvua. But what happens if he says shvua shein lechabiyadi loy lechav loy lechav loy lechav? If he says that I take an oath that you don't have money by me and you don't have money by me and you don't have money by me, so he individualized, he separated each claim and he took a shvua for each claim separately. Chayiv al kolachas ba'achas is chayiv for each. Separate claim. The plaintiff told him, pay me back, give me the pikodon, or give me the loan, or give me the, the gazela that you have, that, that you stole from me, or give me back my aveda that I lost. And he says, I swear that you don't have by me anything. Since he incorporated all the claims into one shvua, he's only obligated, only culpable for one shvua. Since he's incorporating all the four claims into one shvua, says that even if he had from these four claims, he had a quarter of a pruta from each claim. So they can all join together, all the parts of the pruta can all join together to make one pruta, since it's all one shavua, incorporating all of them, so even if amongst all the four claims is all together one pruta, is chayev. He incorporated all of them in one shavua. If he swore only for one of them, he swore only for one. If it's not a pruta, it won't be chayev. What happens if he if he individually takes a shvua for each one separately? Then he is culpable for each one that he took a shvua for. Give me the wheat and the barley and the spelt that I have in your possession. He takes a shvua that you don't have it by me. Since he incorporated all in one shvua, he's only culpable for one shvua. But what happens if he says, He separated each claim 
he took a separate shvuah, chayev kolachas vaachas. So then he's chayev for each kind, even though spelt is a, is a, is a subcategory of wheat when it comes to the midst of challah. And uh, like it says in, in the Hilchas of Chala, that Duchitim and Kikusmen are considered Min Biminoi. Nevertheless, he's, they, 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 he, since he separate, separated them and said them separately, he's Chayim each one separately. Now, here comes the big one. There's five plaintiffs. They tell him, Ten Lanu Pikodain Gozel Vavedu Sumasiyat Sheesh Lanu Bidach. Pay us back. And they have the four different types of money there. Pekodin, Gezel, Avedin, Shemesiyot. He told one of them, See, he now enumerated all four claims. And then he went and said, He individualized each person. So he took four shvuas for each of these five people. So he's chayev for each claim, for each person. So this guy had transgressed 20 shvuas apikodin. He has to bring 20 karbanas ashem. With five plaintiffs, each one had four claims. Five times four is 20. Four. Apikodin, gaz, laved, and shemesyat. What happens if he said that he lost a pikad? In other words, he's claiming, I don't owe you anything. Or he said, you never gave me a pikad. The Nishman, he swore, basically swearing that he doesn't owe him anything. After that, he admitted. So basically now, he has to pay him the karbanosham, the, the, the money that he has to bring karbanosham. But then after that, when he came to get it from him, because of the ton shavet v'nish because of he again went back to his, to his original claim, said it was lost, and he swore again, and then he admitted again. So he's going back and forth. He's admitting. He's, he's swearing falsely again and again and again and again. Mishalem hakaren harishin. He has to pay principal. He's only paying once. The principal is never growing. It's staying the same principal. And he has to pay one-fifth of the original principle for each shvua that he made. It says, and it's fifth. The Torah said that increase that you can pay a lot of times a lot of times one-fifth on one principle. What's the scenario? If the principal amount was four, if you want to make it exciting, you can say four thousand. And he denied it, and he swore falsely, and then he admitted. So now he has to pay a fifth, right? But then after that, because of the because of so then he he swore falsely again, and then he admitted. And again, a third time, he swore falsely, and then he admitted. So now he has to bring three times a chaymish. What's a chaymish? What's a chaymish of four? Now if we, if we learn Rambam enough, we know that the Rambam, there's two ways you can figure out a fifth. One way is you take 20% of that amount. Another way, which is the way the Rambam does it is, he does 20% 
after you add the fifth. In other words, when you add the fifth, the fifth will be one part of five of after you add the fifth. So if you have four, the principal, and you add one, then you have the fifth is one-fifth of... 25%, 25%. So it's, it's actually comes out to be 25% of the principal. Right? Not 20% of the principal. And, the, and Saddam says over here, after he denied three times, Mishalom Shiva, he has to pay $7,000 because four of the principal... And then another chaymish, and another chaymish, another chaymish. Three, three times, times, three times a thousand. So it's three thousand. The whole creative is anything similar. If it's less than a pruta, it's not considered money. We're going to leave Zev to figure out how much exactly is a pruta. If somebody was, he plaintiff was claiming on his, on his friend that he owes him less than a pruta of cash, or if has mishav a pruta or less than the value of a pruta of goods, of chaf he denied and he swore, he is not culpable of shuras because it's less than a pruta. However, by default, the chayiv shuras it's chayv shuas bita because shuas bita doesn't matter the amount. Shuas bita means you said a false shvua, but don't look at value when it comes to false shvua. You, you swore falsely. You say it's just too That's the end. To, uh, this page.